No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, welcome aboard, everybody. Thanks for joining Talking Bass in PDX, the Bass and Warm Water Forum, as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. Well, I would like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. We are continuing to grow. And you know that the bass fishing community in the Northwest is very strong. But if you enjoy listening to us, please help us continue to grow by telling your friends and add us to your social media feed that Talking Bass in PDX is available. Now that the weather is warming, days are getting longer, it's time to go fishing. I've heard from several folks that they have all caught bass in the last week or so. Water temperatures are coming up on the river, so it is time to get out there and start having some fun. And then I would also like you to contact uh, a senator for me, Senator Lou Frederick. Now... And tell him that you oppose his bill, SB 592. Now, SB 592 would prohibit persons from using lead weights in the water for the state purpose of angling or commercial fishing, and it provides the violation that would be punishable by a maximum of 364 days in prison and a fine of $6,250 or both. It also prohibits folks from using shotgun lead for pellets in the purpose of hunting, provides that the violation is also punishable by 364 days of imprisonment and 6200 and a $50 fine or both. So if you wouldn't mind giving the capital a call down in Salem and let them know that um, you oppose that bill. It's not something we want to start here in the Northwest. And you can find this bill, SB 592, on the org. Also, I will put that in the show notes. And the capital phone number is 503-986-1722. So let's contact Senator Lou Frederick and let him know that uh, we don't think that's a good idea. Now, he is a District 22 senator for, from Portland. So let him know that that's not something that uh, that you want uh, to happen. Now, on today's show, I have Jason Gramizo, and Jason works at Fisherman's Marine and Outdoor in Oregon City. We were in talking one day. Jason was telling me that he likes to fish for record-sized bass. So it's not the numbers that he likes, it's the size. And I have to tell you, I'm one of those guys that likes to go out and catch a lot of fish. And of course, I release all of them. I do not uh, keep bass. But I also like to dive in and find out why somebody would like bigger fish and smaller numbers. And I know that your chances of getting a record are very good. So now let's get on to Jason's interview and talk about how he likes to catch the larger size bass in the area. Jason, welcome. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So I have been talking to uh, one of your coworkers um, 
from uh, from the um, Delta Park store, and uh, I was actually in Fisherman's Marine Supply. We were doing a little bit of uh, line exchange on some of my equipment, and you and I got talking about uh, fishing bass, and we got on the subject of trophy fish, and uh, I thought, boy, that's an interesting subject. I'd like to get that on the podcast and talk about it for a bit. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself, Jason, how you got started fishing, and in what area of the country did you start? Well, I grew up uh, just south of San Francisco, and I grew up um, out out there, and that's where I got my feet wet in fishing. Uh, started off like most kids would, I guess, uh, at my local lake. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a tiny lake, uh, Lake Merced, which was at one point considered one of the best uh, trout urban trout fisheries in North America. Um, unfortunately, mismanagement has changed that. Uh, but I got my feet wet there and catching trout and talking to a few people and everybody, you know, a few cool guys would go catch the bass. And, you know, I was a bait dunker back then and throwing plugs was something unheard of. Um, you know, I think I caught my first one throwing a Castmaster. Um, and that really started, started the fever. Um, after that, my uncle got into it, um, started going to Clear Lake and inviting me with them. And, uh, you know, that's where I got my first real good sized bass is probably only about three or four pounds back then. And it just, uh, ever since then, it's been an addiction and a passion. And of course, Clear Lake in, in some of the folks up here in the Northwest, uh, travel down to Clear Lake. In fact, I have done that myself and that lake has so much uh feed in it and so many things for bass that i would imagine there are some really large bass in that lake oh gosh yeah absolutely it's a great place it's a fun place to fish we call it the bass factory in california because it just kicks out bass after bass um it's not uncommon to go out there and be able to catch 30 and 40 fish and have them all in that three to four pound class um, and throw a six or seven pounder mixed in there. It's just a, it's a, it's an amazing place to fish. If, you know, if anybody's thinking about it, I could say just, just do it. Um, you know, some of the crappie bass, it's just, as a warm water fishery, it's probably, it's, it's a paradise. Well, it's only, if you drive straight through, it's about a 10 hour drive from the Portland area. So it's, it's, it's a long day, but it can be easily done. Uh, and that's a throw. Not to throw a curveball into our conversation here about bass, but uh, the new state record crappie has just been I caught. Heard. Yeah, just recently down there at uh, at Clear Lake, I believe it was over four pounds. If I if I remember. yeah, I believe it was four point one four and some change caught on a little underspin in a swim bait. I heard. Yeah, yeah. So the person was out actually fishing for uh, for a bass and. Uh, set themselves a new record, so I think that'd be something to be proud of. Absolutely, and it's it's a phenomenal crappie fishery. I mean, uh, right before I moved to, uh, to Oregon about three years ago, me and uh, a couple of my good friends did a last little hoorah, and on the very last day, the very last spot we pulled up to, I'll never forget, we found a school of crappie that was you know two to three pounds, and it was every cast, every lure in your box. It didn't matter. You, we were just throwing things just to throw things. Um, to the point where we left just because we were bored of catching crappie in that category. Yeah, that's just, uh, what, uh, and I've made a trip uh, down to California here uh, a couple of years ago and did exactly what you're talking about, went out on the lake, uh, did a lot of bass fishing, but I kind of got hung up into uh, 
crappie fishing because they are such an interesting fish to catch and uh, and, and they're so big down there, you know, compared to yeah. what we have here in the uh, northwest. They're just a great uh, a great spot down there. So as you uh, begin to grow up and you've kind of changed your philosophy of fishing or the way you're fishing because most of the things we were talking about earlier uh, was trophy-sized fish. So you weren't necessarily going for the numbers. You were going for the size. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely, yeah. So what happened was I, I got really into bass fishing, and I was throwing, you know, everything. I got good at swim or jerk baits, crank baits, soft baits, worms, and I was throwing the whole arsenal. And I got to a point where I, I started to get almost bored with it and lose my interest um i started targeting striped bass on the coast for a little while just to because that was a lot of fun and then um i went to a bass show and i watched a seminar on swim bait fishing and something clicked i had to try it um from there i went on and i bought my first swim bait rod and reel and i said i'm gonna give this a go um and i i tried to mix it into my bass fishing arsenal like i would any other new bait um and i found zero success with it i mean it was absolutely no bites no fish no feedback um and it wasn't until i really decided that i was going to focus on swim bait fishing targeting these larger fish with you know large baits and when i say large baits i'm talking anywhere from eight to 14 inches is what i was throwing um and and what it took for me to really dial in was to honestly leave every other rod, leave all my other tackle boxes at home, bring one rod and my swim bait box with me, put my head down and do it. And that's the only way I, I was able to really find success. Um, and it took me honestly six months to catch that first fish. Um, but it was a fish I'll never forget. It was eight and a half pounds and eight in eight inch Huddleston on the fall. Wow, so that uh, that's that's kind of interesting. Now we're going to have some folks listening to the podcast, and they're going to say, "Well, that was down in California," but I I believe that throwing these large baits really holds true on any body of water that you're fishing. You want to fish the biggest bait that because you're going to you're going to catch bigger fish if you catch bigger. I mean, if you throw a bigger Absolutely. bait, you're just not going to catch as many. And oh, absolutely. You're never going to catch as many, and, and you've got to be okay with that. And you've got to be okay with going out there for a day or two and maybe not getting a fish or even a bite for that matter. But just because you're throwing big bait, I mean, an 8-inch bait to me at first was absolutely ginormous. Before that, I mean, a big bait to me was a pig and jig or, you know, a big jerk bait. And once I started, once I got comfortable, once I got dialed in, I was catching a lot of fish in the four, five, six pound category you'd be surprised at some of the size fish you'd catch on some of these big baits now have you tried that technique up in the oregon pacific northwest i have yes i don't bring my 12 and 14 inch baits because there's just not that category of fish out here so um i'll throw my big bait out here is my eight inch huddleston or um you know i'll drop down to the huddleston 68 which is what I throw up here more than anything, what it is, it's a six inch Huddleston. Um, and in the early days, people were buying a six inch Huddleston for 
uh, $30, buying an 8-inch Huddleston for another $40, cutting the tail off the 8-inch and putting it on the 6-inch. So you get that 6-inch profile with a nice big thump. Then they started making them that way. Um, and that was my, that's a finesse bait to me. Um, it looks like a big profile, but it's no bigger than a pig and jig on the bottom when you think about it. It's no bigger than some of the larger crankbaits or some of the larger jerkbaits that are on the market. It's six inches. It's smaller than, you know, a, a six-inch Senko for the most part. Wow, interesting. Now, throwing big baits like that, because, frankly, I don't do it. I, I'm um, more of a Carolina rig fisherman. I, I like a lot of plastics, that kind of thing. But I love talking about this kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about the rod, reel, and line that you use for for that type of uh, bait. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm throwing them on. Uh, I was fortunate enough to win a Dobbins rod um, early in when I started fishing. Uh, so I was fishing a Dobbins. I believe it's an 867 swim bait rod. Um, it's 8 foot 6. It's a, it's a meat stick. It's very little action to it. Um, it's a broomstick. There's not much finessing to swim baits. When you hook a fish, it's you don't want that rod tip. You don't want any flex. You reel in even the biggest of fish. I mean, rod tip down, drag locked, and just winching them to the boat because they come up with that much weight in their mouth and shake their head one or two times. They're going to wear a hole, and they're just going to that bait's going to go flying. So um, there's not much of a fight to it. It's really a drag and winch as fast as you can, which is interesting and a different mentality when you start doing it. So with throwing baits like that, you're not throwing into a lot of cover then, are you? Um, I would. I, I, in the beginning of my swim bait, I would not throw into cover. I just didn't have a bait in my arsenal that I felt comfortable doing it. Um, and then 316 uh, Lure Company came out with a uh, weedless bait, uh, weedless rising sun, I believe it's called. And I was fishing that in some of the thickest, tightest cover. And, um, you know, they make 12-aught beast hooks, weighted swim bait hooks. And you could throw that thing into the toolies, into the weed mats, and, and pull some fish out that I had no access to until that bait came out. Well, that's interesting because I do, uh, I'll switch over to a, a weedless type uh, setup. And I, I love throwing right into heavy cover and then working my way out and that type thing. Now, what line are you using uh, for even your swim baits? It depended on what I was throwing. Uh, the majority of my bottom baits, when I say bottom baits, I'm, you know, I'm dragging Huddleston's on the bottom. Uh, I, what I would throw would be 65-pound Power Pro with a 30-pound um, Seaguar Abrazex. Uh, that combination, I found, was just the most reliable for me. When I was throwing uh, glide baits, I didn't want that float that you would get out of a uh, braided line, um, and I didn't need the sensitivity because it's more of a, I would fish them more like a jerkbait, uh, let them sink down a little bit, and it was just twitching it back to the, twitching it all the way back with real radic throws in there. And uh, for that, I was throwing straight fluorocarbon, a Brazex 30-pound. Right. Wow. Yes, you're, you're throwing some pretty heavy, uh, heavy line. Now, for the Northwest here, uh, where are some of the places that you have fished, some of the, the uh, lakes or rivers that you've fished? Well, I'm fortunate enough to live uh, real close to the Willamette. Um, I work out here in Oregon City, so the um, Willamette's right across the street from me. So I do a lot of smallmouth fishing out there. Um, 
For largemouth, I go above the falls every once in a while, and I'll target some largemouth. Uh, but, again, it's more of a river system. It's not my um, specialty. It's spent most of my time is on structured lakes. So when I feel like throwing uh, big baits and targeting the big ones, uh, I go to places like Henry Hag, honestly. Well, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting lake. Uh, I fish it a lot, uh, and a lot of folks around here uh, you know, consider uh, Henry Hag Lake to be their, their home lake, as it were. How have you done throwing bigger baits? Because I don't tend to throw big baits out there. Um, well, I, I haven't thrown a whole lot of big baits out there. I wanted to learn the lake first, so I got out there with my my drop shots, my Senkos, my jigs. Uh, once I felt I was comfortable with the lake, I decided to have a swim bait day out there. Um, and I brought some of my smaller swim baits, um, you know, six-inch. Six I did bring my eight-inchers. Um, I brought a lot of glide baits. Um, and I had, you know, I caught a few fish. Um, I think I got three fish that day. Uh, biggest was three-and-a-half pounds. Um, but, yeah, it was a good day. I Still a lot more for me to unlock there. Yeah, that lake... Um will challenge you. Uh, let's just put it that way. I was going to look up the Oregon uh, records because we were looking, uh, we were talking about that before we started the, uh, the podcast. Uh, back in, in uh, 05, the state record smallmouth was caught out of uh, Henry Hag Lake. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I heard it was multiple out of there. Uh, it was back-to-back records or something like that out of there. Yeah, there has been several records pulled out of there over the years, uh, and the the latest record is 8 pounds, uh, 1.76 ounces. So uh, you definitely got a shot. Definitely got a shot getting Absolutely. a trophy fish out of there. Absolutely. And I, one advantage I found for throwing the big baits out here is uh, a lot of these fish haven't seen that presentation, whereas – in California, where I grew up and learning it, these there were it wasn't uncommon to go out to the lake and see you know fifteen other boats out there throwing big baits some days. Um, whereas here, these fish haven't seen that, so I'm getting more of an excited reaction out of these fish. And we we started talking about that a little bit earlier, you and I, and you were telling me about the fact that you know well, fishing in California, these these large fish are well educated. You know, that's how they got there. So they're not going to react as well to those larger baits. But up here, as you said, you know, they haven't seen them. So they they may think that's just a, a nice big lunch, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And if anything, a big, like a really big bait has drawing power. Um, what I would do a lot of times is, especially when some of these newer baits first came out in California, I would get out there and throw them. And it wasn't uncommon to have a wolf pack of like three or four fish, eight to 10 pounds, follow the bait all the way to the boat without striking it. But then you watch where those fish go back. You can leave them, leave for a couple hours, come back and target them in a different manner. So if anything, you out here, you could use those giant baits as search baits. I mean, the, the drawing power that those baits have is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that that is very interesting. Now, one of the other places, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to try this lake or not, but uh, there are large uh, largemouth over in Vancouver at, at a lake called Lacamas Lake. So uh, just a tip for you, if you haven't, uh, oh. if you haven't fished it, um, not a lot of them. There's not a lot of fish that come out of there, but there are large fish, so... Um, uh, well, I will add that to the list of places I definitely need to check out. 
Yeah, that. And now, do you do you have a boat or a kayak, or how do you how do you get out on the water? Uh, I'm a I'm a kayak fisherman. Uh, so I fish out of a native pedal drive kayak. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's becoming very popular. It's 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 um, a uh, recording that I did, a, bod- a podcast that I did uh, three or four months ago was one of the, for the Northwest, they are one of the tournament directors. There you go. I'll, <laughs> and when I put that podcast out and we started talking about um, kayak fishing, um, boy, people really, really are getting into kayaks. So um, that's, a, that's a neat angle uh, that you're taking because you have such an advantage in a kayak that I don't have in the boat. You can pull right up on spots that I can't even get to. Absolutely, and it's the stealth factor. And, and then, again, when you're targeting those larger fish, I think those fish get um, educated to the sound of boats, the, the side of boats. They may not say, hey, you know, I don't think they're smart enough to say there's an angler there, but they, you know, eventually, you know, there's a boat around, I feed, I get hurt. Um, <laughs> and sooner than later they're going to start associating every boat they see with hurt and they're going to stop feeding yeah that uh that's interesting you know and i think you i think that theory is a very good one because i know that when we pull up on on fish especially on the upper willamette we'll catch six eight ten of them and then all of a sudden the bite stops and so we've always kind of said well you know they, they'd stop feeding but i imagine that the other fish went, no, there's something going on here. We're, we're going to move. And um, I personally think when that happens, it's not so much of a relaying of a message. I think it's more of a pheromone release or a scent type release. Uh, all animals, when, when there's fear, humans included, release some type of pheromone or scent, you know. Um, and I think that's what happens when you start getting on a school and you start catching fish and releasing them, catching fish and releasing them. You're putting more and more of that fear pheromone uh which may subconsciously turn the other the rest of the school off oh very very interesting uh thought there now with the ability to get quickly from uh where you work and and i I think we can tell everybody where that is it's fisherman's marine supply in oregon city Um, absolutely i'm at the tackle counter so if anybody ever wants to come chat bass it's a great place to come find me Absolutely. If if folks are looking to buy uh, bigger baits, I highly recommend you stop back there at the uh, tackle counter and uh, look up Jason because uh, you can take them right over to the uh, the counter where they're at and uh, and help them out. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the big baits we we may not carry, but I can point you in the right direction. I can get you set up. Um, I can, you know. Just chat basket. If anybody that's starting, I love uh, when somebody that's new to the hobby starts and comes to see me and we can get you set up. And, you know, what makes my day is when they come back a week later and say, hey, you know, I took what you said. and I caught a bunch of fish. Um, that's what it's all about for me. So if anybody needs to, needs to help get started in bass fishing here locally, uh, come talk. Yeah, that, that is uh, great that you're willing to help folks that are newer. You know, I, I notice that a lot of folks, especially as the spring is starting to to uh, warm up here a little bit here in the Northwest, that uh, more and more people start looking around to go fishing. You know, I think they they need some place to go to get the right tackle, get set up properly, because they're going to want some success. There's got to be nothing worse than going out there and not catching a fish. 
That yeah, absolutely, and it, and it's overwhelming for a new angler to walk into a store like Fisherman's Marine and see, you know, thirty aisles of bass fishing stuff, or you know, of just fishing gear. And where do you start? Um, so, you know, we like to try to eliminate some of that learning curve and get you pointed in the right direction and get you started on the right foot. Yeah, so that's that's a, a great uh, deal that you're offering up there. If folks want to stop by and see you. Uh, you can get them set up with the right equipment and, uh, you know, point them to a place or two. I mean, you're right across there in, um, now not necessarily Oregon City, but if you go across to West Lynn, cross the bridge and, and get around the corner there, at Cedar Oak Island, I mean, you can literally fish right off the shore. And uh, Oh, absolutely. And, and, you and know, spring's bass. coming. It's not uncommon to get out there and catch a whole bunch of smallmouth in one day, so... Uh, now's the time to get started, get your confidence up. As soon as we get that first warm spree, it's time to go. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, it, you know, one of the questions that I like to ask, what's the most unusual thing you've ever caught? Uh, what, most unusual fit, It wasn't unusual, uh, but it was unusual on the bait I caught it on. I caught a 30-pound catfish in Clear Lake on one of my swim baits. Um, I set the hook, and for a good five seconds, I thought I had – the record on the end of my line until it just never came up. And then I realized it was a big cat. And now for folks that don't know, down in the Clear Lake, especially in California, they have a catfish tournament down there that I happened to be there the week that that catfish was, uh, tournament was going on. I cannot remember the weight of the fish that won. I want to say it was 29 pounds, but yep. uh for us up here in the Northwest, it looks like a log. It did not look like a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's a lot of them out there. So, and they, during, you know, during the spring, they're guarding their nest, and it's, it happens. Ah, okay. I did not, yeah, I, hadn't, I didn't even think about the, uh, uh, the fact that this is their time of the year to breed. And when, uh, when I saw that fish pulled up in that boat, uh, uh, I was astonished at the size of it. Now, I... <laughs> I'm assuming they release all those fish back into the lake. I don't think anybody keeps any of those. Uh, uh, that I'm not too sure. I mean, I've been up there. I've caught catfish from that lake, uh, from Clear Lake, and um, I kept one, and I probably won't be keeping any more. Um, wasn't the best tasting catfish I've ever had. Well, I, I think the older, you know, the bigger and older ones, I just, you know, they're breeders, and I'm just not sure that I'm sure that they kind of follow the same thinking that other fish. You know, you wouldn't want to keep the real big ones of any species. Um, oh, I'm talking, I, we kept some smaller ones. It, it was just, it was a muddy, muddy taste. It's a muddy lake. It's a, There's a lot of volcanic activity, so they, they tend to taste like that soil. Um, so, yeah, that, not the place I would target them for eating, but, you know, a short drive away from there was Lake Berrios, and it's really clear, pristine water, really deep, and those were tasty. Yeah. Now, just this is just kind of a off the subject question, but since you're kayak fishing, are you planning on uh, trying to tournament fish uh, anytime soon? With these, because there's so many folks up here in the northwest that are tournament fishing in kayaks. You know, I've thought about it. Um, I started to dabble into tournament fishing um, three years ago in uh, the Bay Area, and since I've been up here, I've honestly uh, I've thought about it, but. Um, I've really been having fun chasing steelhead and salmon, so they've kind of taken my time lately. But the more, ba you know, the, I, I am starting to miss bass fishing. I am missing the competitiveness of the tournament, so it, it's in the back of my mind. It's something I probably will be doing fairly yeah. soon. 
And now with your fishing, now a lot of folks up here don't take an off-season. Have you, well, with the exception of this year because we had such bad weather in February, but have you been fishing 12 months out of the year, or do you take a bit of an off-season? Uh, there, I, I fish every chance I get. Yeah, I, I don't take an off-season. There's always something that you can catch. Yeah, the 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 um the last uh, I guess 5 years or so Henry Hag Lake has been open year round. Used to be closed uh for a couple of months out of the, out of the year. And uh, so there's a bunch of us that get together and head out there on January 1st. Now, every year up until this year, uh we were all catching stuff. I mean, sometimes we were catching a trout, but but somebody would catch a bass out of the group. You know, they would uh, get get over into an area where there are some uh, structures that are down underwater. If you have a fish finder, you're certain you can find them. And, um, and we would catch one. But this year, I want to say there were only three or four boats out there. And, uh, you know, sorry to say, we got skunked this year on, uh, on catching any fish. So it was kind of an unusual, unusual January. But, uh, yeah. Well, stuff, I mean, you know, Bass fishing, I mean, I, I used to really enjoy bass fishing in the winter. Um, I still do. It's You're not going to go out there and get the same amount of bites, but I, I find that the quality of the bite gets better in the winter. Um, those fish aren't feeding as often as they do because, you know, the colder weather has their metabolism going slower. So I think a lot of those fish are looking for that one big meal as opposed to, uh, you know, chasing a lot of stuff. So that's it's a great time to throw a big swim bait. Um, you know, if you can get it right in front of a fish where he's not going to have to chase it, he's not going to have to run it down, um, somewhere he could pin it to the bottom or against a piece of structure. A lot of times they'll take it. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause they're not going to eat as often. You're right. And, um, I have, uh, fished a couple of other, um, areas. Um, the, the John day, which is, uh, up toward, um, uh, well, past the dowels and um and i notice up there that uh the fish up there will pin things against the shoreline and it's like okay you gotta you gotta kind of watch because there's a lot of rocks and things you can hang up in there but uh but yeah you can fish up the, uh, up up river a bit and uh and you can get fish to pin things against the side so that's kind of interesting absolutely yeah yeah i got a, i i get a lot of my big uh when i'm dragging you know my big swim baits on the bottom low and slow um i always like to parallel the shore because i find most of my bites are those fish are are pinning bait uh pinning that fish against the shoreline where it has nowhere to go uh a big bass isn't going to chase anything down or you know in open water he's they're, they're big they're slow they're sluggish and they know that um they're they're ambush predators. The bigger they are, the more they're the shorter distance they're willing to travel for a meal. Um, so I find places where they can, um, you know, point anywhere where you know they can take a, a fish and push them up against the structure and eliminate all his choices of where to go. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, because you haven't fished a lot of the lakes around, have you done any coastal lake fishing? Uh, I have not. No, I haven't made it down to the coastal lakes yet. I've uh, seen a lot of pictures come from there. I've, I've, I, I'm ready to go this spring. I've, uh, it's definitely on my list of places I'm visiting shortly. Well, since now, you know, California, warmer all year round, lakes warm up, um, kind of a different climate. But up here, 
because the uh, coastal lakes are shallower, they warm up faster than the lakes here in the valley and, of course, the river. Yep. So if you want places to go earlier, hit up some of the lakes. Cullaby is a great one over near Seaside to uh, to hit early in the season uh, because it's um, well, it's close closer to town. And of course, Silcoose is another lake that uh, that is a really good one for kayak fishing. And of course, Ten Mile is uh, is a great one for uh, uh, for bass fishing too. And so that uh, that one, those should be added to your list of things to fish. Absolutely, I'm jotting those down as we speak and adding them to the list of places I've uh, I, I need to need to get to. So, if you could only take one bait, any to any bass fishing that you're going to go do, what would you take? Probably a pig and jig. It was my first confidence bait, and it is a um, it's a big fish bait. Uh, and it catches it catches small fish, it catches big fish, and it's, um, it's probably my very first bait that I gain confidence in. And that's what I find that people will give me that answer to that question. Uh, no matter what bait they started with, the one that they have the most confidence, like if I got to reach in the box and pull something out, they're going to give me the one that uh, that they that they've got their highest confidence in every time. So yep. I ask that question quite often, and I and I get a, a variety of answers, of course, uh, because everybody's got something that they that they started with, and um, and so that's great. Now, when we were talking, I think it was last week or so, you were starting to tell me a bit about when you're fishing or have been fishing in the past. Folks in the boat were fishing with you, and they were. Um, they were catching a lot of fish, but you weren't catching as many fish. Tell me a little bit about that uh, that concept. What's what's causing that? Uh, well, it's it. That's when I was, especially when I was starting out. You know, I was. It was hard at first, and I'd get out there. I'd bring my swim bait rods. My friends would bring their drop shot rods, and you know, thirty rods with them, and they'd be lacing fish. You know, pound and a half to two pounds all day long, and I would be out there. Uh, without a bite, you know, and it's just, I had to change gears. I wasn't hunting bass anymore. I was hunting a different species in my mind. When a bass gets that big and that educated, it doesn't act like your typical bass. It doesn't respond like your typical bass. It doesn't feed like your average bass. The older they get, the the more they change. Um, And it took me leaving all my stuff at home to realize that. Um, and what really turned me into a believer, I'll never forget. I was out there one day and I had all my rods with me. I had my swim baits. I had my drop shots. I had a little bit of everything. Um, and we were struggling. We, we were at a lake we knew really well and we couldn't buy a bite. We were drop shotting. Uh, we were finesse fishing. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out anything. And I finally decided, you know what? This is silly. I'm fishing for one fish. Why? fish for something that's going to be a pound and a half so i you know put everything away and i threw that swim bait out um and i the only fish we caught that day and it was eight and a half pounds wow that's uh that's a really nice fish well that oh, was yeah, uh, absolutely yeah well it has been uh a great uh time talking to you i appreciate you coming on i know that uh, you had to work all day and then and then come on here and and record but i'd like to thank you for uh, for coming on talking bass and pdx any last thoughts that you'd like to to give out uh no i, I really appreciate it um and 
I appreciate you having me out here. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you. I love talking fishing. I mean, I get to do it all day, but it's one of those things that never gets old. I'll talk fishing all day at work. I'll talk fishing all day when I get home. Uh, it's a passion. It's a lifestyle. It's an addiction. Um, and, you know, if anybody wants to get started in it, like I said, come see us over at Fisherman's. We'll take care of you. Well, that's great. Yeah, Fisherman's Marine Supply over in Oregon City. Just head back straight to the back of the store there. There's the uh, counter where... Uh, where they've got the uh, reels and they've got line. Look up Jason back there, and uh, he'll get you. He'll get you started. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to thank Jason for stopping in today and and talking with me about how to catch a larger bass. And if you enjoyed the show, please again make sure that you're telling all your friends. And for show ideas or feedback, you can email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail dot com. Send me any uh, reports that you have or just want to talk about bass fishing. I'd like to thank everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark, Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the Batcast.